To contemporary the podcast welcome back for another episode episode 10 um, i'm excited that um it's been 10 lovely episodes Ooh. um with kyle and all of our lovely guests that we've had so far and uh for it to be almost summertime shy which oh means <laughs> booty short crop tops and wedge heels <laughs> i'm wearing that i mean i'm just <laughs> I'm so happy to have this podcast. I've been wanting to tweet all week that I'm if I leave if I don't leave summer with a butt tattoo and a nose ring, like I did it wrong. And like I don't know why I'd be so scared to tweet things because you can't even find my Twitter via my I'm just looking for a job. We can we can do the nose rings (laughs) together. I want to get my septum repaired. Yeah, I don't know what I want exactly, but for sure, like a thass tattoo. Like when I say like you know what my thass is? The, the um, place between your thigh right. and your ass. Like, I, d- I want a <laughs> tattoo right there. Like, my body is looking good these days. My and, friend like, has Africa on her ass. She has the silhouette of Africa on her How butt. big? It's, like, small. Right. It's, like, the, probably, like, the size of, like, two uh, um, silver dollars. Mm, yeah. And I, I think it's the funniest shit ever. So no. I ain't got no butt tattoo by October 2019. I did summertime Chiron. You hear me? I will, I will, <laughs> we'll help you with that. <laughs> but, like, every week, we got a lovely guest in the building. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh. Go ahead. It is <laughs> the amazing Jamila. Hello, hello, hello. And with her being here, that means we've got three writers on the mic. So, Ooh. of course, we are talking all about writing today. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, writing. <laughs> 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 I'm, I don't know, I, I'm excited because I, um, since graduating grad school, I, I've, I've used writing a lot more in my practice, like, mm. a bit out of me needing it for healing purposes, mm-hmm. but also using writing because I don't have access to a lot of photography equipment, mm-hmm. um, which has also advanced my performing practice. Wow. Um, you hit on, like, two things that I really want to talk about. Okay. Uh, so one would be, so writing as, like, a healing or therapy, right. writing as, like, just, like, practice that's, like, making us money, and then, like, that academic, because I feel like everyone, like, has written because of, like, academic Yeah, people. definitely. So, I don't know, like, exploring like my, those My roommate's in the front room right now writing a 10-page paper. There you go. Because <laughs> they're, they're graduating. Hallelujah. There you go. And then talking about how you're, like, literally, like, writing is just all you need is a laptop or a pen and paper and, like, yeah. how that makes it so accessible. So, so accessible. Let's dive in there. Yeah. So I, I guess I can start with just saying, like, I remember for so long, like, I, like, grew up in Florida, and we did this thing called FCAT Writes, and mm-hmm. it was literally, like, a five-paragraph essay, standardized testing, which I feel like will be anywhere in America, just different names, mm-hmm. and just, like, the, like, people would literally, like, fail FCAT Writes, and, like, it was, like, a certain day FCAT Writes retakes where people would, like, have to, like, stay in and, like, rewrite a five-paragraph essay, and just, like, thinking back to that moment of how, like, how did like how did I learn to write so well academically? Like why was I not one of these people having to retake, or why were people having to retake these tests? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, I'm just I've always just been so intrigued about writing in that way. Like it's yeah. like literally an academic space where people can not succeed um, because they can't like shoot take their ideas and put it mm-hmm. on paper. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting because um, grade school for me, 
I sucked in every category mm. on like standardized tests, but my writing. Mm. Um, mm. It was just something I just enjoyed doing. So I would, I would, I would actually skip to the writing portion, wow. even when I wasn't supposed to, because mm. I was like, let me get this out the way. Cause this would be easy, even though like I don't ever get my ACT question was actually something about fucking dolphins. And <laughs> again, I'm from Detroit, and never seen a dolphin in my damn life. <laughs> so how? Mm, you, hello. Look, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but, like, Not I'm, like, neutral. I'm like, how the hell is a little like poor black gay boy from Detroit gonna write a fucking six paragraph essay <laughs> about dolphins. dolphins? No, it's ridiculous. That's to what? get into college, please. I was like, am I writing a, uh, writing about? Free Willy, that's the only no. thing I know about. Or <laughs> like, he was killer a, he whale. Was a killer, killer whale. Differently still. Differently still. That's Jaws. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, um, writing has been this thing, I, like I said, out of accessibility that has mm. become a favorite thing of mine. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of forced me to like look at my artist statement and like, girl, yes. what is this? Yes. <laughs> Yes, you need it for so many things. Yeah. And I really believe that everybody's a writer. Yeah. And those Definitely. unique things about your voice that make you not sound academic, that mm -hmm. make you not sound like everybody else, Definitely. are really what bring you something special to the arena. Mm -hmm. And the arena mm -hmm. needs more of that. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think the other day, I just, Rowan, who's in our, you all, we all, you know, are familiar with this artist who we also are, you know, school in the school setting with. Mm -hmm. And he was really just saying that like, I'm trying to write more the way that I talk to my friends on the phone. Ooh. And like, that's really important. I had mm -hmm. to go through a whole two years of this super academic program mm -hmm. and to get to that point, to be like, this is actually what the publishing world needs. Wow. It's very radical. And I, my first, I used to give writing workshops to young people. Okay. And the first workshop that I got really clear about was actually called Everyone's a Writer. Okay. And the other day, two lovely people in the art therapy department are running a BIPOC series for the students at SAIC. And I actually just gave that same workshop again. Okay. And it's really just about like digging into your own memory doing like a mapping exercise, thinking a bit about like what your priorities are, what your concerns are, what your worries are, what you feel strongly about. Mm. And just understanding that everybody who contributes something beautiful in terms of writing just has that. Wow. That's it, you know? And there's something, there's some gold there. And it's hard because we all have that like obstacle of like, I'm not a good writer. Mm -hmm. Even people in writing programs, yeah. right? literally. and. It's about getting over that. And the only thing you really do is just keep writing. Yeah. I, I know. Um, there's, this, there's this journalist um, or journalist by trade back home in Detroit named um, Matthew. Funny story. Me and him apparently went to high school together, mm -hmm. but I, we never knew each other. Or I didn't know who he was, but he knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And apparently he, he saved my ass a few times in high school from being jumped. Um, and I didn't know. Like it was upperclassmen who were trying to fight me because I was gay. And he was uh. like, "Y'all leave that little boy alone." Yes. <laughs> and now me and him are still friends. Bless. Um, which we became friends like since graduating college. <laughs> That's so important. Um, but yeah, no. Um, and he's someone who every time me and him see each other, he always asks, "Am I still writing?" Yes. Like he those checks people. in on me. Like, "Yo, are you still writing?" I was like, "Yeah." Yes. He was like, "Send me some stuff." He was like, "Cause you have a really interesting like the." The flow of your words were interesting. And yes. I was like, okay, cool. And that's um, just in like conversation yeah, that definitely. he's picking that up. Yeah. And honestly, like one of the few teachers at SAIC who was important said that when he sees his students 10 years later 
however many years later, he asked them that question, are you still writing? Yeah. And that that is his only marker of success. Ooh. Is if they're still writing. That's it. If, if, if not publishing, yeah. not winning some prizes, yeah. but just are you still writing? Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's important because I feel like, especially for young black and brown people, totally. especially for like people who are like, hyphenated or yes. for like black and yes. um, you know I feel like writing is really important um, not only for healing reasons but also it like kind of boosts your, boosts your confidence at yeah. least it does for, at least it did for Explain me that. I mean, okay so um, uh, for w- for me within my household both my mom and my sister are educators of sort right mm-hmm. I have learned disability I'm ADHD and I'm dyslexic mm-hmm. so for me, at an early age, writing was always something like I was nervous to do. Mm-hmm. I hated reading out loud. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, ugh. And one day, my, me and my sister were like sitting down, and we were writing. She like got cause my sister was the person on Saturdays after she made us breakfast, which was always some bomb ass breakfast. She would be like, "Okay, Daryl, Brittany, go write." Yes, sis. Um, just free write. Yeah, and it was always just like you can do whatever writing you want. If you want to write a song, you want to yes. like just write your damn alphabets, write something, yes. right? Um, and with her, I'll never forget, I got to middle school and I had to write a paper mm-hmm. um, for a cl- for like a school-wide competition. Mm-hmm. And at the time in middle school, I was still in lear- learning like special need classes. Mm-hmm. And like for this little special need boy to like win the, you know, the school-wide writing contest mm-hmm. and I like, told my deal. sister, it that really did boost my confidence. Because yes. it was like, because granted, it was like make a, I think the contest was like, to write a a fictional story about someone in your life. And I wrote like about how my sister was superwoman. Mm. And it was just they was like, Oh, this is like really good, Daryl, and like you're really good with like storytelling and I was like, Oh, I can tell a story. You can. Like, you so can. And like I feel like at an early age, introducing writing as a fun thing yeah. to children, I think is really a really strong and again boosts their confidence wow. yes. for that reason. Then totally. they get to the point where like, oh, I can be these things. Yes. And I think there's something fun about just thinking about writing as storytelling mm. and thinking about the people in your life who tell good stories. Yeah. Mm. How they tell them, the tone, the pauses, the language they use, the humor. Yeah. And just remembering that like, that moment that Rowan was like, how I talk to my friends on the phone. Yeah. Like that when you sit down and you tell your friends what happened over the weekend mm-hmm. and you get laughs, like write that down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like right. that's a that's a really good story. Wow. That got a reaction, that has some engagement, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know, for me, writing was something that I could do on the page, but mm-hmm. then I started being in a band and writing became about lyrics and mm-hmm. that thing about how writing can be a song, writing can be it can transform. It doesn't necessarily have to be this kind of cold, white thing yeah. that we all remember. That school kind of trains school. us to think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you think about like the lyrics of your favorite song and like what's happening there linguistically, mm-hmm. and even just how people like mess with language right. when we speak. Mm-hmm. I think that stuff is really important to start translating mm-hmm. into written works. Definitely. This is valid. Yeah. yeah. And it, I don't know, and especially when you're of those intersections, like there's something really particular about your point of view and your perspective that is necessary, mm-hmm. that is like the solution, right. you know? Like we always feel like we are the problem and like we are actually the solution mm-hmm. and we could save writing, we right. could save each other, we could save ourselves. Wow. Yeah. 
So good. I was saying, could you say, um, you know, we can save writing? Who are some writers who have saved you? Oh my gosh! And I, you know, what's funny is I had to really go look for them because. The writing that is offered inside of the academy, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like us. Yeah. You know? And I feel like there's a lot of important Trinidadian women writers to me. Mm-hmm. So Dion Brand, Marlene Norbese Phillips, and then even these like West Indians like Michelle Cliff, Jamaica Kincaid. Uh, I think there's like so many people who remind me of myself mm-hmm. and all of the iterations that I can be. Mm-hmm. And that they're always struggling with language, right? So, like, Marlene Norbese Phillips in this book called She Tries Her s- Tongue and Her Silence Softly Breaks. Mm. Okay, Beautiful book. There's, like, an essay in the beginning where she talks all about, and so Dion Brand talks about this, like, bell hooks. Audrey, people talk about this, about how language isn't for us, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it has all these weird connotations, like, what are the connotations for black? Right. Black market, black sheep, black this, black. Uh, what are the connotations for white? And so Marlene talks about how, how can I write about myself and my people without doing any of the things that are loaded into the language, mm-hmm. right? And I think there's the one thing she says, like, how do I talk about a black nose without using the word broad? Right. Mm. You know, and I think Roxanne Gay, I, I swear to God, in her short stories, when she's talking about a lover, who is white, she just talks about thin lips. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it goes both ways, right? Mm. And so, like, what are these ways? Dion Brand has a poem where she doesn't use any verbs because she wants the poem to rest, wow. right? Like, these things that we can do uh, to, like, mess with the hierarchies just in English as mm. this, like, colonizer language. You know, I like to write with a lot of patois. Like, I like to write with just dialect that is familiar to me and yeah. my people. And for me, that like says something about who might pick it up and who might get something. Yeah. Like mm. I want it to be for them. Right. I love that you bring up using Patois. Yeah. Um, so I recently, for the first time, I know they're not speaking Patois, they're speaking Gullah. Mm-hmm. I recently saw Daughters of the Dust for the first time yes. in its full entirety. Um, mm. Jamila, um, not Jamila, Janelle, Janelle, what is Janelle's last name? Miller. Yes. Um, did a film screening at um, Cinema cinema something in Tosin. Yeah. And I went to that with Zakia Najiba, who we had for the Solange episode. Amazing um, artist. And we went to that, and it was great because like the way Janelle organized it, like we actually broke down the language in yes. that. And that movie, also, she made some bomb-ass gumbo, which I need oh, to call her for the Janelle. recipe. She like cooked like three different types of gumbo for okay. people's dietary Like She oh. was really about like caring and nurturing. It was so beautiful. Um, at Filmfront, that's the name of the place. Film, yes. Filmfront in Pilsen, off 18. It is. Um, but we were speaking about um, the Gullagichi mm-hmm. um, language and like how the characters in Daughters of the Dust literally jump from like English mm-hmm. to Gullagichi, mm-hmm. but also how like the Gullah the Gullah Island has like held on to its tongue. Yes. Um, even the one right now where it's like dealing with these high levels of gentrification, gentrification and displacement. Yes. The 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 people who have like found who have made that land home mm-hmm. um, for centuries mm-hmm. have went on to like holding on to this this language. And like there's a professor who I follow on Facebook 
who teaches a Gullah Geechee language class at Yale. That's so wow. important. Which I thought was lit, the fact mm-hmm. that Yale has a program. Hello. Like, like I could think it's part of their linguistics program, but mm-hmm. for them to have a class, that is so niche. But this is how we are going to keep these cultures from going extinct. Right. Mm. Right? Like, if we think about these are things that the grandparents and the elders carry, mm. that we actually have to keep this going for the future. Yeah. And, like, in Trinidad, there's a lot of conversation around the French kind of Creole that we mm. have okay. there and how it's really just something that the older folks speak. And that there's been this thing, like, the older folks are trying to get the young people to speak proper English, and so they don't speak it in the home. Like, I understand this. You know, you have parents mm. who, like, speak Spanish, and they want you to speak proper English. And, like, there's a it's hard because we could lose our languages. That's, we're losing heritage and culture and everything with that. Exactly. Yeah. And the language is embedded. It's got so many beautiful things in it, you know? Yeah. There's, like, really sweet French words that are in Trinidad culture. Like you ask for a lineup when you pick up something on the side of the road. You buy okra. You buy, like, ten okra. Mm-hmm. And you, you get, I get a lineup, and they'll give you two extra. And it's, like, a bounty for them. Like, they're like, I have so much abundance. I can give you two. And it's just, like, generosity. Oh, wow. But it's this French word, lanyep. Mm-hmm. You know? But I want it to be what it is in Trinidad. And so I feel like we honor our taking back language from the colonizer, mm. you know? Yeah. And I'm really scared about, like, in Canada, native languages are disappearing. Mm. And those languages have so much care embedded in them about, like, the environment and yeah. these, th- you know, and, like, so all those things that get lost with language, right. we c- I just, I want for all of us young people to resurrect these things before they just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, uh, language is interesting. Yeah. Um, but even like yeah. the slang that we use, or like that, like. AAVE, African American Vernacular English. Hello. Mm-hmm. And like, they're so, sp- it's like regionally specific. Like, I went to Philly for the Black Women's Time Camp. Yo, Those John? The word Yo, John? The word John! <laughs> People are like, what'd you like about Philly? I said, I like John. Like, John is like not gendered. John is like a person, place, or thing. It's John, everything. like this right. John. You know, and like, I just like this is so important. It's a f- it's funny as so like this one dude who tried to kick with me ain't never fucking been a Philly in his damn life. <laughs> but John. use his job, yo. <laughs> I mean, nigga, you live on the east side of Detroit. Fuck out of here. No, but, <laughs> but, but it's so if important. I'm talking to DC boys, I deli- I uh, adapt that language. Really? Yeah, I'll be like, I will, sometimes. I will, okay. I will, I, will the, I will say the only like the thing I have picked up that's not necessarily from Detroit is like the way in which. I have a certain accent when I say fuck out of here. Okay. Mm. And I'm looking like, where did this come from? And I'm like, could be social media because I watch a lot of New York <laughs> niggas <Wow. laughs> yeah. on YouTube oh who say us fuck out of here. Yeah. Something <laughs> that I've been realizing in this collection of poems I'm working on right now, and I guess it's about language, but I think it's more so about like what Rowan is saying about him wanting to talk how he talks to his friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so many lines, but like I'm thinking about this one in particular in this poem called Churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one of the lines in this in the poem is um, sermons hit different when you've been going through it. And like mm. that's not something that like that's also real as shit. Right. <laughs> but like that someone has to understand that like sermons hit different. Like that's not everyone's like language or like no. lexicon. So it's like I've been writing like that 
And like it's just interesting. It's not necessarily like preserving or anything. More so, just like it's how you. This speak. is how but I speak, and it's who you're speaking to. And I th- I think that like black language is so important. James Baldwin talked about like it's not. So he used to talk about it was like the beat, the rhythm. Mm. It's not about the language. It's about the rhythm. Ooh. And Zora Neale Hurston has well, a great essay. I'll say also, the way that she writes in Their Eyes Are Watching God. Hello. That was the first. I will say in, in high school, I tried to read the book on my own after the um, Michael Ely and Halle Berry rendition of it that was on like NBC or something. Yeah, I, I, I remember to read that. The book. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I remember trying to watch it and it was so sexual. I was like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't watch this. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna read the book and she go check it. Yeah, it was sexy <laughs> as fuck, right? Um, but I couldn't get through the book because the, the way it was, I could not. Listen, know. have you read Cory Gajadora? Gail no. Jones. Listen, no. it's beautiful, and I believe that Toni Morrison was the editor in a publishing house and she published it. But wow. the, it's the same thing, and right. I feel that like also just just to pause you. That's yes. the re- that's all the more reason. Why it's important to get black people Hello. in publishing houses so Thank we you. can get our 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 languages, our words, our stories out. Yes, and that lit- I had to go and really look for and find these people. And my Instagram for like a whole minute last year was just me reading black writers. Wow, oh, I used to love that black music. <laughs> yeah, and it's really like it's my own canon, mm-hmm. right? Like that's for me where I went and like studied. I got every black writing book I could out of SAIC's library, mm-hmm. and I would really just think about, and for me, pairing it with the music was so clear, like that thing about rhythm mm. and, and black language, like mm-hmm. there's music in the language. Yeah. And I think There's that music in everything that we do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and that the, the music and the literature are in conversation mm-hmm. in this not cheesy way that we like to use that word in Academy, <laughs> but like that black people, when they make music, when they write stories, are doing this healing. Mm. And mm. that those things are how we carry on, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I kept, you know, writing and reading and just thinking about we are so special, mm. you know? And I don't know if when we get to that moment when we're like, this isn't good enough to write down, or you want to crumple up a piece of paper and you want to throw it away. Like, just to remember that we're a part of this, like, lineage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at with my writing. Hello. It's like, um, it is even crazy to think about, like, Candace and such, and, like, to think about how I love Gwendolyn Brooks so much, mm-hmm. but didn't get to dive into her academically until my first year in grad school. So and, like, that was, and that was by choice. No, because Q, luckily we had a black, a black teacher, teacher oh, okay, who sweet. had been a Gwendolyn Brooks yeah, mentor. His classes were I took a Gwendolyn full. Brooks Thank seminar. You. Right. I taught, I taught it's class. like a black <laughs> editor. It's these black teachers. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, fr- I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I like, what was Music. I um, the healing. Right. Oh, legacy. So like yes. me writing for this legacy. So I like find Gwendolyn Brooks and like move into the same neighborhood and like was so in love with the way that like 1945 is when A Street in Bronzeville was published. And mm. like here I am, 2018, 2019, like being in that space and being like, it is so important that I'm talking about this 2019 yes. Bronzeville because in 2039, like yes. there's going to be someone else. And like, and it's a conversation that it's such yes. a blessing. Yes. It's such a yeah. blessing to be a part of. And, and it's words. I feel like um, my essay, I see like how I like got into school or like the why do I want to be there? It was always about like oblivion. Like that's always what I talked about. Like I know that my body's going to die and people mm. who love me are going to die. Mm. But literally like my words are going to like be inside of books, inside of libraries forever. Yes. And like that's so special to me. Yeah. And like I, 
I'm also a visual artist, but I always writing is just so precious. In my phone, I can write the most beautiful yes. love poem to someone. I was say, but also even in your visual work is always text based. Yes. It is. Well, I mean, I got like an abstract painting practice, but I mean, like, yeah, but even even in that, you still embed words into the paintings. Not all the time. No, but I, guess, <laughs> you know, I guess it's what I've seen. Yeah, right. Now I got like other things where I like, I feel like I, but yeah, even like the public art that I want to put up, those are words. Yeah. Um, I want to do these like series of like putting up weed around the neighborhood using like yarn and nails. Yeah. I'm so scared. Like, am I going to get in trouble for no. being No, do it, do it, do it. Chicago is yeah. a very art friendly city. Yeah. And I want to get into a super nuanced conversation because okay. we touched on it when we were saying um, someone asking, are you still writing? And like, that feeling like a valuable writing practice but i'm just like so i'm like almost basically a year to the day of my graduation from my mfa program and like i am writing but also to me it's super important that i'm publishing myself like i want to be self-published but i'm like in You've the been world of like publishing mm-hmm, right. i'm i'm in the also in the world of like i've my submittable got six submissions right now like i'm submitting to yes yeah so talking yes. about that nuanced conversation of like because i think deeper than winning or anything like that is because i think that my poems about chicago are like sparking the dialogue for solutions so yes. that's why they need to be published so just talking about that like so we're writing but as a writer, are we supposed to want to get that out to the world? Are we supposed and to how? want those And how? There's so many ways to get it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. yarn. It's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's in the street. Right. That's so beautiful. I'm really interested in when we bring text off the page Ooh. and into the road and into the street. Mm-hmm. You know, So Camilla, you don't have to deal with those gatekeepers. Yeah. And, like, who are we talking to? Mm-hmm. And, like, the people that we want to talk to, are they being talked to by the publishing world? Mm-hmm. Maybe not, you know? Camila Janan Rashid, Rashad? Mm, Rashid. <laughs> Camila Janan Rashid is this amazing artist who's totally text-based. Okay. And she had this work called, um, I think it was called, one of the pieces, it was about lower the tone of your suffering, lower the pitch of your suffering. Mm. There were these five posters that went up, like, almost like ads look Mm -hmm. and they were up they were up in vancouver they were up in new york and they were all about just it was post ferguson i believe that she did them just about what is like riffing off of for me it was like a conversation about tone policing Mm. and like telling black people to like stop rioting and pull up yourself by your bootstraps but just this whole so she put them up in the road and i think that kind of work is so important. Like Definitely. getting published is a whole deal. Yeah. You know, like congrats on your submittable and the six. Like, yes, that but, is important. But even that, like this is the first I've been, I would consider myself been a writer since my sophomore year of undergrad. And mm-hmm. here I am a year out of MFA mm-hmm. and I'm now just wanting to play the game of mm-hmm. submit to journals, submit for grants, fellowship retreats. And it's just like. But that rest was important. It was because I I feel like previously it wasn't that's not what I wanted. Now mm. it's like I actually would like to see my submittable like active and like yeah. One. You, you want like, to see that green but right that green right box. yeah. <laughs> no, but my therapist said legit like sometimes people come out of these MFA programs and take almost up to a year off. My advisor said the same thing. Mm. I graduated and she's like an amazing publicist. Tarfia Faizula is amazing. And she's like, you know, I had to take time off and do something not so cerebral mm. and then come back to it yeah. because 
we all need to take a break and everything looks different after you've just like paused. Yeah. Wow. That's real. Yeah. Um, because I can say like why I don't think I've ever, I don't think I have, I haven't taken a break since graduating. Mm. I have taken a break from making. Okay. All the works, all the work I've shown over the past two years is work I made in grad school. Like right. everything yeah, is old. That's real. Like I just recently, within like the past, like this year, started making new work again. Mm. And I think that was in, an important thing for me because, like, yes. me for me specifically, I didn't take a break between high school and mm. college. I didn't. I shown him to no break between college and grad school. Yeah. Like my last day of undergrad was three weeks before my first day of grad school. Right. Wow! Because of the summer class, I had, I had to take like my last contemporary we history class. We worked so hard. Yeah, and it's just like haven't taken that break, which is so funny. I was speaking to Amina Ross mm-hmm. um, recently, I think like a day or two ago, and me and her were talking about finding rest yes and finding vacation yes and i was just like girl like i can't afford an actual vacation she's like no no find a vacation like just like with yourself find yeah. something that like makes you like that gives you that b- that bit of rest yes. so for me i've realized the playlist that i make on spotify That's <laughs> yes. wow. has been like these beautiful these beautiful like Mini vacations, which yeah. granted these playlists be like six, seven hours, and I like I've been going to sleep to them now. Yeah. Um. I also love now that it's sunny, so or starting to get a bit more sunny outside. Try. So when I'm on the train, I like <laughs> trying to try to sit next to a window. Hello. So I can get all the sun. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure Not I sit next to the window right. where the sun is. Vitamin D. No, that has become a new practice of mine. <laughs> For real. For sun real. On the CTA. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so, such it. a beautiful thing. But reclaiming rest is yeah. so important. My friends. Naville and Fanny Sosa, mm-hmm. Naville da Costa, have this work called Black Power Naps. Ooh. And it was okay. up in New York at, yes, at, PS, York. at PS New York. And it was really, like that, maybe the third iteration. Okay. And the work is going to continue, but it's all about Rest. what is our sleep debt situation as black folks. And also, like, reclaiming lazy, mm. you know? Because we ain't never been lazy. Right. Ain't nobody who's going to take black people all the way across the ocean us. and enslave them if we lazy. We right. ain't not lazy. But, like, <laughs> can we have a moment? Right. right. You know? And, like, just the amount of precarious groups that we're a part of that just, like, are always on edge and always being vigilant and mm. always kind of dealing with this, like, PTSD that is almost a genetic, we're passed down. And so what rest is for us is like an a it's a radical act yeah definitely definitely um so we're gonna take a break okay um on the rest yeah on the rest so on the rest we're gonna take some rest thank you (laughs) all right y'all we'll be right back reading our books you ain't right hey hey We're going to work on that. Uh-uh. We're going to work on it. 
so we are back for um, the second half of our second half of episode ten. Yes. With our beautiful, beautiful guests. Hello. Um, and we're gonna now, as people who you know listen to us faithfully, we rock with y'all. Thank you. Yay. Um, as y'all know, this is the part where we talk about the things that we stand with our I stand segment. Yes. Um, I, we're gonna Kyle go first because she can't prepare. Okay. <laughs> but also, I'm feeling so petty because soon as you said that, remember I wanted to name this so fetch this session so fetch oh. but like the other day i tweeted okay everyone this is not what i stand but it is so fetch cove lounge in high park it's literally like the spot to go to like everyone goes to that bar louie and like but before you get to bar louie is that one sign that says cocktails on 55th like yeah i've actually seen you post from <laughs> i like that oh, spot you that, i was there posting. this week i go like i because the drink's only 475 and like they get you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For my listeners, y'all know the things are just flying. This news, 475. Throwing. Sh- Yes, for a whiskey sour, Hello. and it's cute. But actually, last last time I went, I guess University of Chicago students go there, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of them there, and that was kind of like, uh. I'm so in, white boys in frat shirts in the bar are so weird to me. Like, get out of here! Don't wear your letters at the no, bar. No, it's not cute. You look like a rapist. <laughs> go oh, <home>. I'm scared. <laughs> Anywho, speaking of Chicago, this week I stay in Harold's number fifty-five, and if you know, you know that's the one off the eighty-seventh and Dan Ryan. I've been to that one. Hallelujah! How? Yes. Tell me how you liked it. You know, I went on a really bad date, Ooh. and there was some really beautiful black girls with beads in their hair, and this man wanted to throw shade about why black people be like this with a uh-uh. poor style and they just want to look in here so ratchet and this and that and this was a black man this was of course it was <laughs> i wasn't on no date with no white man and no heralds at 87th are you mad no already looking like an interloper there that's myself. a lovely date though it was a lovely date well, except for this for terrible there. conversation yeah y'all were eating inside of heralds inside of heralds mm-hmm. and so i knew it was over from that moment but i enjoyed the heralds obviously mm, what'd you get uh, I must have gotten fried chicken. Mm-hmm. I, it was another time I went there and I had the shrimps. Ooh, okay, okay. okay. So I'm, I'm failing at life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you never had Harold's or you never had 87th Street? I haven't, I've never had 87th okay. Street Harold's. You gotta go. It's right off the train. I'm not okay, even from so here. I'm gonna make this happen. Yeah. Yes. Right now, I've been no, for four real. damn years. I need to do better. I do six wings now, <laughs> it's 863. No, I, I, I've had their catfish. Okay. Catfish from slaps. Yeah. No. Um, the one in Brownsville. Mm. Um, this one. Forty third. I hope you ain't talking about High Park. That fifty third. Wait, no. you don't like that one? That's called Harry's. Uh-uh. <laughs> that is not Harold. No, this one is in Brownsville. It's um. That one is fraudulent. It's close you to Southside Community Arts Center. I don't know which one that is. Uh, I ain't never I, been I, to that I, one. I, I, I did ask. Only now. go to 87th. But yes, the one in by the Kimball Liquor Store. They're serving barbecue sauce. That is not mild sauce. No, no, no. I need that red <laughs> liquidy. It has to have that right. consistency. They ain't doing it right over there. Do they have that piece of bread in it? They got the bread. Okay. And it's just, it's a lot going on. <laughs> we just go to Harry's Nuances. and you'll see why it's not Harold's. But I am standing. I actually went there twice last week. And nice. it's like, um... I just, like, live so much closer. I'm, like, off 95th rail line and it's 87. So, like, it's just, like, One why spot. the fuck not go to Harold's? Yes. Um, and every time, yes, please. Every It's just, I think it's a lot of nostalgia. Like, I've been, like, that's been our Harold since, like, I was growing up. So, like, I go there and now it's, like, I'm in there by myself. I don't know. I just, I truly stand that Harold's. Yes. And I, 
wrote a poem about it and I hope I keep making art about it because like that better be there forever. Like that's one of those things like uh, let's hope. Imagine that Harold's not being there. One no, day. not good. That, that is, is not. crazy. But yes, I, I stand. Um, whew. And the other thing that I'm standing is Jarvis Boylan. I just love, love, love that work. Oh, um, a beautiful hanger. Met. Mm. Met him at Daryl's 26th birthday party. Yeah, right. That's right that was right after I graduated. Yes, and <laughs> don't even, I think literally just in the kitchen and we just, you know, at parties, everyone's just talking to everyone and we just kept chit-chatting. Uh, we exchanged numbers and we met up a few times so that he can kind of like help me stay on track because I was trying to shoot a web series. So he was kind of just like a person just like checking in to make sure I was doing what needs to be done. And I did what needs to be done. It just, unfortunately, the video didn't look good. But like, I always just thank him for that. Like, it was just like such this valuable thing, just checking in on me. And right now, just like doing work right now. Like, yes. please go check out his oh, Instagram. Beautiful. As Jarvis Boylan, J-A-R-V-I-S-B-O-Y-L-A-N-D. And like, I love this work, the colors. Um the outfits on the body like i just stand 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 i love it so we have jesus here from episode two and like i love that when we said about jarvis he's he tiptoe out the back just like yes god yes (laughs) Yes. i stand give him flowers now yes 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 got technique got oof and to paint black people just beautiful black people I stand. And you Shame. know that, like, he's in the, he's, like, doing something. You know Jarvis is doing something right, not only by the work that he's making and the stuff that he's doing, but by the company that he keeps. Like, the fact that on his Instagram he has a painting that the Henry Taylor painted of him. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. this really, like, cool wow. pain, painting, like, painting of Jarvis by Henry Taylor, who wow. was in the 2017 Whitney Biennale. Wow. So. Yeah. I stand. Seriously. Yeah. Flowers to you right now. All right. Um, and the final thing that I'm standing is the Millennial Park Summer Film Series. Like, since I've moved back to Chicago, like, that's been my thing every summer. Tuesday, 6.30 at Millennium Park. Cute. Literally free movies. And they got some good stuff. They got the first one on June 4th is Black Panther. Okay. Super cute. The Wiz. This oh is God. not in any particular order. They're um, randomly doing a, a double feature with Moonlight and Pan Labyrinth, which I think is Ooh. a weird, yeah, that's interesting. A, w- that. a weird double right. <laughs> double feature. Fences, Inside Out, uh, and then my big fat Greek wedding. This place is so cute. Like literally, pull up. You can you can either sit in the red seats or you can bring a blanket, but. I like doing the blanket thing because you could be in the back and you can smoke a little bit. Hello. You can have some liquor. Um, but this is cute. Every Tuesday starting June 4th at 6.30 for free. Like Chicago, yeah, we deal with this motherfucking winter, but this motherfucking summertime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be cute. It'd be extra cute. That's what I'm standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I guess it's time for my eye stand. Um you know, for me this year, um, beginning of 2019, for me specifically, music was not was not hitting the way I needed for it to hit. Okay. Um, but these artists are like swinging. It's All like right. spring, spring, spring came, and they're out here throwing these fucking bows. Um, so I think most of my eye stands this week will be all music. Um, I currently. Cannot stop listening to Ari Lennox's new album, oh, Shea yes. Butter Baby. Oh, yes. um, uh, if you don't know who she is, you're clearly fucking up. Um, but she is a black um, soul singer who was originally on YouTube, 
who I fucked with heavy when she was on YouTube. Like, I used to have all her music on my old iPod. I used to have an iPod classic, like, the, mm-hmm. the that, like, 280 boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had her music on there, and, like, she used, they used to feature a lot of her music. If, if pe- For people who, like, really are into, like, black um, web series, there's a web series station on YouTube called Black and Sexy, right? Mm-hmm. I used to watch it a lot when I was in college. And they used to have this really great show called Hello Cupid, Roomy Lover Friends, The Homie. And they were like very just black ass, California based mm-hmm. web series. And they used to always have Aria Lennox's music in it. So, like, it's really great for me being someone who really just admire music and sound mm-hmm. and to see her go from, like, doing, like, these really, like, jazzy um, covers of Jill Scott, who's already making jazzy fucking music, yes. to, like, being signed to Dreamville, which is J. Cole's record label, her being the only femme, the only woman on the label, and the first person, if I'm correct, on the label outside of J. Cole, who, like, album is, like, really hitting charts yeah, straight out the gate. Because I because I think, like, now that TDE has kind of slowed down what, now that they've gotten their roster together, mm-hmm. now he's trying to, like, push all these people out. So I think Ari Lennox was the first, and I think they're going to have, like, um, the um, Revenge of a Dreamer, which was, like, the compilation with all the rappers he's, he was inviting via Twitter, and then, like, all the other niggas from Dreamville will be dropping all their shit, which I think is really exciting. I'm very proud to say that I definitely got fucked to this album recently. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So you highly recommend. Whole album, just saying. No, I also love the Rohan text me earlier today because I told him about the album. And he was like, bruv, this album fucking slaps. <laughs> and I just like thought it was so great that he like texted me how much he was enjoying the album. Um, so that's one of my eye stands. My second eye stand is this amazing um, uh Neo soul jazz type band by the name of Tank and the Bangers. Yes. They were um, they were uh, the winners of I think the 2017 um, Tiny Desk competition, and like literally their con their like contest entry video was so bomb that like it t- literally shot them into stardom. But they released an album um, this past week as well by the name of Green Bloom. I'm also loving that artists are doing albums how I grew up listening to albums. And by that, I mean albums that are longer than 11 songs. <laughs> like, I think this album is like 18 songs. Yeah. And granted, this is, of course, with skits, um, which is why I really enjoy longer albums because it gives us, it was like, I'm able to not only listen to the album and get into the album, but like once I'm in it, I can sit. Yeah. Right? Versus like, oh, here's the album, we're done. <laughs> That's the end. Um, so that's a third one. Again, um, the first one was um, Ari Lennox with Shea Butter Baby. The second one is Tank and the Bangers with Green, Green Bloom. Mm-hmm. And honestly, because like I just feel like it would be blasphemy not to say this person, um, Jamila Woods yes. dropped her album today called Legacy Legacy. For one, this bitch slaps. Yes. For two... I, I love when artists are creative with the titles of their songs. So there's this one band called Double Dumb Blonde, which is like Aubrey and and Shannon from Dandy Kane. And they released a, a like a disco a track um a disco album recently. And like the track list is actually saying like I'm the track list word for word is like I'm happy I broke up with you. Now I can love myself. And that's like the track list title. Like each song is a word. Um, with with um, Jamila, she did something very similar in which she like titled all of her songs behind like 
legendary black and brown creatives. So we have Betty, Zora, Giovanni, Sonia, Frida, Eartha, Miles, Muddy, Basquiat, wow. Sunra, Octavia, and Baldwin. I love a theme. I think that's so great. And the yeah. fact that the name of the album is called Legacy Legacy. So yes. it's like it's like this legacy that these that these artists left behind. Um I will say without a fucking doubt, the song titled Miles. Mm. Um I heard that and I was like, did, did Tyler the Creator produce this? It sounds really fucking good. Yeah. Also, he dropped a new album this this month, which makes me really excited. <laughs> um, yeah, like we're finally, I feel like 2019 is finally in a wave with producing good music. So those are my three I stands. They're awesome. all music this month. What about you? Well, I really think I'm just going to like riff off for a moment. Okay. And mm, the thing that I stand the most in this moment is Caravana. Okay. Which is Toronto's carnival. I'm Trinidadian, partly also Nigerian, but we have like a big carnival culture. Mm -hmm. But Caravana happens in the middle of the summer. Toronto is an eight hour drive away. And I'm just saying it's a beautiful moment when all the West Indian people come together, get on the road, look so cute in our costumes. Y'all need to reach. What month in summer? It is August 1st Ooh, through 4th. Okay. okay? okay. Hey, Susan be in New York. Why are you trying to tell us what you forgot? Neon <laughs> yellow. Okay, and people love to talk about like New York Carnival, like Labor Day, and that's a whole vibe. I appreciate it. But my costume is neon. I stand my costume. Mm, it is neon yes. yellow. <laughs> it is one piece. My Backside will be completely out on the road. There is a thong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I signed. I put on the registration, and I just Sound really. Sound like you need a butt tattoo too. You know, Joe Budden. <laughs> hello. I could do that. I have like a hip thing happening, but okay, okay. Joe Budden is like quoted as saying something about like girls out in the street in their bikinis on his little respectability like dad shade. Nobody cares, Joe, because first of all, yes, we are out, and like I'm here for all the thought, every bit of the ratchet bent over, worse behavior, but also like it's culture and it's my West Indian culture and it's like important that we continue to practice our traditions that mm -hmm. actually at their root were some really revolutionary, decolonizing, like important history, thank you, is there, <laughs> right? Like, you can Google it, but like, honestly, like, it's more than bikinis on the road, but also bikinis on the road are important. Right. Right, okay, so both of those things, I'm really here for but that. also, fuck Joe. Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> on so many levels, That's for so many get things. Get Joby! Get him out of here. Okay, so, have y'all ever heard of this movie called The Fits? No. Okay, so I just saw it a couple months ago for the first time, and... It's about a little black girl who boxes in a boxing gym with her brother. And then down the hall, there's a dance team. And she's interested in the dance team. And there's a lot of things happening about girlhood, about gender, about, you know, she's in this like very masculine space and then moves to this very feminine space and her really trying to figure it out. And you think the movie is about one thing and then it's not. And then you realize like, you can have a story about blackness and coming of age, and it can be about more than that. Mm. And there's so many things that are happening. There's like a level of suspense that, anyways, I don't want a spoiler alert, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm down for you, the spoiler. You just, also, I've been boxing this whole past year as a way to like get through going to school. Um, because like, what is school? But like getting in the ring and like throwing punches and like taking blows. Mm. And uh, just so much of the practice of like, 
defending yourself, defending your convictions and everything you believe in. And this little girl just, there's a moment at the end where you just, she's just doing both and she's being herself and mm. you just, it it's like the joy. Wow. It, it like stays with me and I just, um, I want everyone and to see fist? it. Yes, okay. this baby girl is so beautiful and I just feel like she should be the next big important thing okay we're yes gonna, we're gonna and then that. I'm watching that's right i also really just want to shout out dj bambi if you look her up on instagram it's b-a-m underscore b-i-i and i just feel like she's the most important for me dj coming out of toronto right now because she's doing a lot in terms of like serving wicked beats making the people dance and understanding that as like just such a service to the world, but also being really vocal about what the culture is that people want to steal from and also fear. Mm -hmm. And talking about how, like what is it when cities start shutting down DIY venues? Like what is it when the kids who are like queer and gender non-conforming are really giving us the most and we aren't giving them back any kind of love and appreciation and resources and care and you are really speaking to Jesus assault <laughs> honestly right Bambi is just I think she's just like an activist and also like the wickedest mm. DJ and you know she throws this party called jerk let me tell you this girl is too sweet the party started years ago in Toronto and she literally makes jerk wings wow you know like they're there until they're not there the wings of course are finger licking mm. amazing Kirsten's Jamaican she knows about a jerk wing but also this party is now touring, right? Like it's playing. She's playing in the it? states. Jerk. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's just like. I feel like she's really been putting in the work, and talking about how like DJing is a thing that is inaccessible. Like, mm. don't make fun of people who come in with their laptops wow. and this and that. But also like, investing in herself and her own practice. But also trying to keep these things open mm. for everybody. Like, I just feel like she's someone who's really gives a fuck about the future of this being in the hands of people like her and how to support the people that she wants to come to the dance because the dance is like sacred and like what is the city doing in relationship to that trying to like rip up our spaces and i just someone who can like both be an artist and also be vocal and do advocacy like for me, that is so important and like the niche that I personally want to be involved in. You know, I want to make sure everybody's on the come up and everybody eats and everybody gets free. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was good. Right. And a perfect good. segue into uh, private practice. Yeah. So oh, private practice yes. is um, the part of the podcast where we want to talk everything about you. Okay. <laughs> you're, well, you're out ready. I'm ready. So I was born on. <laughs> no, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, I don't have a BFA. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to art school. I have an undergrad in political science and international relations. I, I took a lot that. of time. Yeah, I took a lot of time away from school, and I taught yoga and uh, in high schools, like a mindfulness. Teachers bomb at yoga. Oh, I've, I've taken one of the classes. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm really. Yeah, I can't stretch. Stop. Yeah. You know, so and like though. that for me, I'm like, what is a teacher who really wants to support people who are like, I can't stretch? And yeah. so I'm always like, 
what is yoga when it's not in a yoga studio that's like this weird thin rich white space that's yeah. like super heteronormative and like doing all these weird creepy things about like not consensually touching people and like i don't know there's so many stressful things for me honestly and like just the way that yoga always feels like aspirational like i'm trying to get to this place like instead of just being where you're at and so teaching in high schools was just like a really beautiful way to think about how like we're just going to be in these shapes Mm -hmm. and feel our bodies and know ourselves a little bit better so that the next time rage comes up i might notice i might be able to take a beat and take a breath and like you know what is yoga in communities where yoga studios aren't at Right. And like, what is yoga in an art gallery like I did with you at your old maker show? Yeah. What is yoga in spaces that are just not read as for yoga? Yeah. And and so I was also in a band for a long time. Like my yoga, I'm like interested in mu- like music. Like I had a Kendrick Lamar flow and a Frank Ocean flow and like a m- all Chance Molly Robert. music flow. Like I just am into music. So mm-hmm. I was in a band for a long time and I feel so. like... I got out of that. I had done some theater. I had done some spoken word. And I was like, how do I think about my writing in relationship to the movement practice, the performance practice? And so I was like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to study writing at an art school and do text off page and think about that. And so I just had a show closed in Toronto where I had a video workup and a sound workup and a text work that was like an object, right? So they printed a poem on silk and just like, really beautiful but for me it felt like a beautiful culmination of like i did the thing i came here to do so my practice is about writing but like when i think about coming to sound when i think about coming to video i'm also really interested in like the content is always about black femmes Mm -hmm. and thinking about how do people pay attention not just when we like write not just when we like speak but when we take up space when you have to listen to us when you have to watch us like what is going on when you are trying to see me see iterations of me and so the video work is called how high or black people watching white people watching black people (laughs) yeah and so it's like this splicing of diane dunham is a 1983 all-around american gymnast champion and so footage of her that is actually edited as boxing choreography so i took all these gestures and assigned them one through six so like jab right left hook right hook there's like six punches you throw and then moves like slip and roll and i spliced that with uh footage from phil donahue episode an Mm -hmm. episode with all these black women just like standing up on a mic right and so like for me the shot was really about getting a range of black women's ages shades Uh, and all of them being on this microphone and like Mm -hmm. taking a moment to like do this public address and for me putting those things together was to point out to people like when I stand up and say something there is like an effort and energy and practice involved that is almost like athletic Mm -hmm. right like ableism aside like any like a a trans black femme in a wheelchair when she gets a, a moment to speak something like all of the training in her about how she is received and how she is heard and not heard is put into this moment. Mm-hmm. And really just thinking about honoring that. And the soundscape that 
uh, also showed is called Listen to Black Women. And mm. it's about all these black women I know talking about what it is to speak. And I took all these clips and I edited them and it sounds like a round and it sounds like a conversation and it sounds like a chorus. And for me, it was a moment of just trying to make myself feel better like sitting in that studio by myself editing these voices made me feel good and what is it to make an art practice that is like organized around care mm. for myself like what it is to make that makes me feel good like is there room for that in the art world mm. to make something that makes me feel good will that translate is there a black girl who can come into the gallery and like also feel good mm. i want I want that in my future. And so whether the work is written or whether the work is sound or video, and I, I'm going to this artist residency um, um, on Tuesday in Toronto, the Feminist Art Collective, and I'm going to sew. And I had this plan about sewing these dolls that are like topsy-turvy dolls. This okay. is like tradition. They're in the southern they, states. They, they're they also like over. Cuba. Yeah, so it's like their hands are so heavy that they fall over. No, no, it's like a big bell skirt that oh. hides a doll, and you flip her over, and so there's like both the body is like two heads, split mm. by a big skirt. Oh. So when the skirt's down, and anyways, I, I, I want to think about disclosure, and uh, so one side will say things like mmm and oh and uh. And the other side will say things like, I'm here with you, and I'm sorry that happened. And so one side will be verbal, one side will be nonverbal, and then I'm going to send people away with the doll. And I want to know um, what, when they sit to tell the doll something hard for them, what it is they want to hear. You want to hear something verbal, you want to hear something nonverbal. And just to think about, like, what does holding space sound like? What does listening sound like? What feels good to people? Yeah. But now I also just think I'm going to like sew portraits, like embroider black faces. Mm. And so I'm just going to take some time to also think about objects. Like I've made some ceramics before and used those in installation and performance. And so video and sound for me, I've been studying a lot as well as print, but also mm. just trying to think about making craft, you know, because well, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Sewing is something I used to do with my auntie and my mom when I was little. I'd sew my own stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. And um, just thinking about these things that make me feel good as a way to practice art. Mm. Yeah. I'm super intrigued. So you say how you your undergrad is in political science. <laughs> um, yeah. So then you said then you wanted to go to art school in practice or in make writing a practice but like in between there like when did you consider yourself an artist a maker when did you start making or had you always been making so i graduated and then i got like a super real office job in a non-governmental organization mm -hmm. and then i got a super real office job at a financial firm mm -hmm. and then i was like bump all that and how long <laughs> would you stay at those places so it was like six months and six months wow, and okay. i also just like recommend to people like if you can, quit a job. That's you know what I mean? Like, if you can. I just quit my first job. Hello. This, this congratulations. Year. I quit. I've, congratulations. I've been, I've been beating myself up about it. Don't. <laughs> I think it's really important if you have the means to find something else. If you have the means. I know work is important. Work is how we eat and keep roofs over our heads and stuff. Yeah. But, like, sometimes these works drain us Ooh, and definitely. your whole life can go by and you've just like given all your energy to this like other thing you mm. know 
And so I started, I had always been writing. Like I had always written throughout since high school. Writing felt like something I, good to me. Mm-hmm. And so I started a, like supporting a woman named Emily Polweary doing Parkdale Street Writers. Okay. And it was like a youth writing group happened in a library. Mm. And I would go there and we would just write together. And I published a few poems there. I published a short story in a high school textbook. And I thought, you know, let me just keep doing the arts. And then I worked for this amazing playwright, dub poet in Toronto named, or I don't believe she's based there anymore. I think she went off to London. Debbie Young Anit Africa, mm-hmm. amazing Jamaican artist. And I started doing theater. And I think in that moment when the writing became embodied and I, I had a one woman show that I was like, okay, I can take up this space. I can be on a stage. And it was right after that I did spoken word and then went into the band. But even in the band, it was for me this way to do more, right? So my bandmate had gone to art school and made video. So we used video projection. We made masks. We wore face paint. Like it was really this fun thing. And you were the lyricist in the band? Yeah, yeah. It was really this fun way to actually just like hide a little Mm. bit. So like the costumes, the video projection, Mm. it obscured me from sight, you know? And for me, I just wanted people to listen and enjoy and like take in an experience and not be really so focused on like, I think we just really do weird things when we watch black women on stage. I think like creepy things happen. And so I was just trying to like interrupt and play with that a little bit in my mind. So we wore these like big white suits, you know, just like, just trying to mess with people's view, which is like still my practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things I love to ask people because Chicago is such a huge part of my work is how has being in Chicago for the last few years Ooh, Chile. affected <laughs> or in, yeah, talk about Chicago in your practice and I the will, way they relate. Okay. So my advisor says that James Baldwin says that an identity is only an identity or only formed when it is menaced. And, you know, I think I've, like, gone to try and, like, look for that quote, and I can't quite find it, but that idea, I think, has really helped me. You know, Kyle, one day you came up to me. I spent my whole first semester fighting. Mm. Fighting. I remember because I just Everywhere, came back to in every class, mm. just, like, trying to talk about cultural competency, trying to talk about... But that's so needed. Ooh, we needed that. And I woof, spent energy, mm-hmm. you know, and... I think Chicago is this amazing place where... Wait, what did I come up to you and say? Girl, you came up to me and you were like, I see you in these classes really trying to tell everybody everything. And I'll tell you, I could spend three hours with these foolish people and go home to my friends and family and we sit around the table and we laugh. (laughs) And we just kiki and we make jokes and we talk about this foolish person said this. And then you said to me, and I understand that you don't have that here. Mm. And I understand... You made a relationship about how I didn't have a table to go and do that to. And so I was sitting at these desks trying to do that. Do you know what I mean? Trying to do some breakdown. And, it, and you, I, I just was like, oh, my God. I don't need to do this here. Wow. This actually is draining me. Whereas, like, Kyle goes home and, like, <laughs> laughing at these You know what? Laughing at these fools. <laughs> And that's, well, that's what me and Jesus do all the time. <laughs> 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 but no, and I, 
time, every other night, crack kikiing about everybody else. I feel like that, <laughs> but that is survival. Like, yeah. That is a better way to cope than to try and be in these people's faces and change them. They don't want to change. They are willful and deliberate. Right. Well, but I, you say that, Jamila, and like I think you made some things happen. I mean, like Thank it's you. the fucking right. The school is the school, but like. 100%. The way that we were having conversations my second year of grad school compared to my first year was so different, and they were literally because of you. And, like, I'm a cry. that was such valuable work. And I know, and I I felt that. I always felt you were taking on so much responsibility. Yeah. Janetta, the same way. We we have family in Chicago. Yeah. So, like, it was, SAIC was this thing. Like, yeah. we were just, literally, we were just getting education. Yeah. But, like, that was your community. And, yeah. like, that's a real thing. Yeah. You know, and the thing I think Chicago has really shown me is, like, I've gotten so much stronger mm. and so much of it has been hard. Like SAIC is surrounded by black folks begging. Literally, okay. Literally. Like there is a grandpa. I call him grandpa who I have not seen reemerge since the winter, who I am really worried about. You know, the fellow who stands at Adams and Wabash. He and sings. He sings. Uh, uh, he's, he, uh, he's been uh, out there. Oh no. Oh, him. Good morning. Oh, I haven't Where seen him yeah. in a while. This is the thing, right? And these people, to me, look like my family. Mm. Yeah. You know, one day I gave him a dollar and he said, Namaste. I wow. almost fell out. I said, who are you? <laughs> my, sir. Yeah. Because I'm half Indian. And I looked at him and I was like, are you, what is going, yeah. you know? And I'm watching these black folks. I, I, to me, it, you know, and there's so much dignity in it, in houselessness. You know, people surviving, making choices, not making choices. But for me, I was like, just looking at people who look like me, sometimes just looking like they were falling apart, yeah. you know, or on their knees, literally, you know? And yeah. I just, um, I think for me, so much of the legacy that in Canada has been to Native folks, mm. like this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of state violence, right. is what has happened to black folks here. So in Canada, you don't see black homeless people. Yeah. You see native homeless people. You see white homeless people. You see mostly native, especially in Vancouver. But like to come out here and be confronted by that and to go to the school every day and to walk in and out and of inside. Highly protected. Highly protected space that is serviced by black people. Mm -hmm. Who is our security? Who mm -hmm. is our cafeteria staff? Mm -hmm. Who is our janitorial staff? Yeah. Right? To kind of understand blackness in this way, I think has just shifted so much of me that I can't even express right now, but I feel indebted to these folks. Yeah. I feel like they have taught me so much. Y'all know Dina? Yeah, Miss D. Miss D. Y'all know she works in accounting now. Hello, Miss D. Oh, okay, yeah. thank you, and she blessings. Was, she was so happy. She, Yo, she, wow. she ran to me, gave me the biggest hug. She's like, I, baby, I don't buy some kindergarten no yes. more. I'm like, did you quit this thing? No, I work in accounting now. For her. And I yeah. feel like she has made such an impression on me. And there's yeah. a young, new black woman named Crystal. Do you know? She who has really a, short hair. Super short. A wicked fade. She's a sweetheart. Hello. Her energy is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I just feel like these folks have held me wow. in this way. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a man outside. His name is... Ooh, I can't remember his name, but he always talking about reparations mm. reparations reparations he you know i just feel like there are, are you talking about Marlon? orlando oh, no okay. his name is orlando okay he's wow. actually on youtube he says is the greatest entertainer or something, yeah. but, but i just feel like there are 
are ways that black people in Chicago have just been so, they're resilient mm. and beautiful and come on the subway, mm. talking loud, making noise, taking up space, and I'm going to take that back with me. Wow. Because in Canada, black people, you know, we have our own struggles. Canada's no perfect place, mm. right. okay? They, they police kill black people. This is a thing that happens. Yeah. There too, it's really sad, you know, the school to the to prison pipeline is like a real problem in to in Toronto, and they build these youth jails, and it's all black kids that are going in there. Mm. It's gross, you know. But I think I'm gonna take back with me some of this like ability to just be and be unafraid. Yeah. In Chicago, these black people are like, "Here I am." Yes. I don't know, and even you know, like fear, I'm sure is happening on levels, but there is a way that. Black folks here are living and live that I just, in spite of all of Chicago's trying to hurt us, mm -hmm. we still here. Yeah. And I am so moved by black folks here every day from the subway to the street, inside the school, you know, working their jobs living their lives with this dignity mm -hmm. and i just i i'm i feel blessed for having known and experienced and been around some of these folks for real for real i'm about to write a poem <laughs> to the no, please no, jamila's feelings about chicago i love like, chicago no, i think and i think that's so interesting well there's one thing that you said that stood out to me, and it's also because um, when Jen and Kuru was here, she kind of said something about like Black Americans and like how she would never want to be Black in America mm. because of the amount of shit we go through mm -hmm. and the fact that like we're really we're much stronger than what we actually mm -hmm. um, acknowledge, mm -hmm. especially because like half of us never even make it outside of the country to see how Blackness is is received yeah. in other countries. Um, yeah. But the fact that you like spoke about taking up space, that's something. It's so funny because me being as big and loud as I am mm -hmm. is something I've had to learn to do, mm. and it's also something I catch myself like pulling back on a lot Please lately. Please stop! Don't do, don't pull back. Well, it's, it's, it's like I do it. I mean, do whatever you need to do, but well, it is exemplary. But it's, but it's not like I need to. Do, it's not like I'm doing it out of like safety reasons. It just it's just like I just. I get to the place. I'm like, I'm sorry, excuse me, and I'm like, I need no, to break that out that is shit. Canadian. <laughs> that was, that was I'm sorry, excuse me, is some real soft ass you know, Canadian that's foolishness. How I grew up. I was always a Listen, very, very subdued little boy. I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me, hello, yeah. like super polite, but very subdued. Yeah. I like I was telling somebody today, I didn't start getting really loud and rambunctious until college. Like I was yeah. so quiet in high school. Yeah. <laughs> like my mom used to be like, baby, you okay? <laughs> that's how I was until college came and I'm um, here for all the iterations of blackness like yeah. the quiet blackness and the, but it's just something about being loud and not ashamed about your speech or your whatever weird thing you watching on your phone on the subway yeah. like who gives a fuck about who else is here I'm gonna watch my thing I'm gonna do my thing I'm gonna cackle you know that to me is like in the face of just the violence of whiteness and and class and gentrification and it it is like for me like a light and mm. a sh like a black light like a it's just 
like we are they can't they can't they can't ruin us they can't destroy us they can't keep us from being our best selves they they keep trying and we here you know yeah. that's wow. it you know what? I feel like that's just a perfect way to end. Uh, <laughs> maybe just one more question. Okay. Because, okay, so you're graduating on Monday. So yeah. kind of tell us what's how's next? that feel? What's next? And what's next? Ooh, yeah. child, I want to sleep. Yes. <laughs> I want to sleep. But yes. I'm going to this residency. But really, I have a plan. And I've been trying to explain to people, like, don't look for me. Don't rush me. Right. Mm-hmm. I really am going to need some time. You to just that be program's intense. Ooh, Girl, I'm here. I need to rest. I need to I'm watch so the whole you. season three of Being Mary Jane. I'm so happy for I you. I need to catch up. Also, the on, movie. Okay. The closing like, movie. I just, I still like, I just. Do it. No, I need you, to. I graduated and watched season one to 14 of Grey's Anatomy. Yes, I actually remember that and I stand. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm just going to take some downtime to just yes. really rest my body and really rest my brain. You know what I'm doing? I'm reading, Good. you know, Saidia Hartman's Beautiful experience, Experiments, Wayward Lives. Mm-hmm. It's this new book where she went and she looked back at all these archives of like social workers and journalists and like weird like um, institutional like letters from prisons and asylums and she's written all of these beautiful narratives about black folks turn of the century like just after like becoming free mm. and thinking about like what freedom is for these like young black queer artists working people you know and in this way where none of those records show us as we were. And so she's trying to really unearth that. There's this line where she says, they like come in and do a survey of like a tenement, like a slum, you know, and she calls the places where people used to sleep on the roofs, stretches of urban beach. And she says things like, they didn't know we loved in doorways. Mm. And that, you know, in this hallway, you learn what life is and your place in it. So you scrawl fuck on the wall, you know, like just these really, I think it gives me chills to think about it, but just to think about black people trying to be free, Mm. you know, in these really particular, personal, intimate, sweet ways. And I'm going to just like take some time with that book. And a glass yes, of wine. You deserve <laughs> no Jamila. If I Wait, I've had classes. Yeah, it's only hardcover right now, so I like think too much, but like my friend got me a copy. Oh nice. We've had a what, maybe like a total of four to five classes together. Yes. Um you know, honestly, like you helped my SAIC experience so oh, much. And I'm so happy that you are at the finish line because Thank I you. know how intense it is, but yeah. like I'm so happy that you like spent this time like practicing and like making work and like caring about black women and like yes. it's so important and thank you for that and i'm so happy we have thank this on you. wax like i can oh, listen to this and be like yes listen. listen to these great gems yes. given to you by this very smart woman because we deserve you deserve and yes. yay both of you hey sis is here too Hello, the hey, graduates too. you all deserve yes. you did this for four years <laughs> bless yo motherfucker soul you like no, survived. Wow. Survive. We survived. And so I really, I feel like grateful to every single young black person at this school wow. whose face just lifted me up when I was walking down the hallway on the day being like, I'm a quit. 
<laughs> Why the fuck am I I'm here? I'm walk back to Canada. <laughs> I don't care. I'm on, I'm north. I'm gonna walk north because y'all, y'all saved me. Wow. For real. You did something great at this school. Trust me. Congrats. Yay. Yay. Episode 10 of Contemporaries, so the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thank you Thank for coming. You. I'm so honored. Okay. Bye. Yeah, you're making it hard for me Thank you.